and our small children would head to the nursery. Now, I've got to do something this morning I don't like to do. Uh, our, our nursery worker is not here this morning, our volunteer, and so I've got to look for a, uh, uh, an on-the-spot. I figured it would be Marla or Anne, and so thank you, Marla. Um, I just, when I realized that I hadn't found someone, I was in the middle of the songs. I want to run up and ask you. Um, uh, the other thing is, if you have children that are staying, or if you have a very short attention span like me and you need something to do during the service, uh, my wife has folders with coloring pages and crayons and whatnot. Uh, if you raise your hand, she'll bring you some coloring pages to work on. Matt, you sure? Okay. Bring your own. <laughs> um, okay, how's everybody doing this morning? Um, how did you all enjoy this, this last holiday week? It's, it's not a religious holiday, I know, but this, this, well, it is. It's All Saints Day, right? That's what we celebrate is All Saints Day <laughs> or Reformation Day. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, Halloween because I, I, I have children, right? And there, there is nothing better as a father than seeing your kids do something they love. I, isn't it the truth? And like seeing them like laugh and run around and, and uh, um, just have a great time. And, and I mean, it's just great. The other thing that's great about it as a dad um, is that all dads have a certain right when it comes to things like Halloween. You know what this right is, right? Because everybody went through it. Um, as Abby collects candy, I have right of first pick. Like, and, and she's not old enough to know it's happening yet, which makes it even sweeter. Um, because she has no like, gauge of how, and she's not here, so I can say this, she doesn't hear me. Um, she has no idea how much of her candy I'm going to eat. It's going to be most of it, right? <laughs> um, but, but the first day, you know, and, and she gets home, and the cool thing about the two-year-old phase, too, is that, that as we sit down to go through the candy, and like the first night she wants to eat all of it, Right? She didn't eat all of it. She ate enough to kill a... I'm, I'm surprised she's not diabetic now. Like, it's, it was a lot. Um, but we're going through, and, and she has no idea what good candy is. You know what I mean? No idea. Can you turn me up a little bit? Um, oh. Yes, absolutely next year. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just hung out and watched. It was great. It was <laughs> the other part about being a dad is you just watch. You don't have to do any real work. Jess did the costumes. It was awesome. <laughs> Nothing. Um, and I get candy out of the deal. Um, so, is, is <laughs> Thank you. Very much. Um, as, we're, as we're going through her candy, right, um, and we're picking through, for Abigail, one of the best candies that you can eat is, is Tootsie Rolls, right? Because it takes forever, and she's not old enough to know that they're not good. Like, <laughs> and, and so she's not aware that I'm eating the better candy or that Jess is eating all of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which is like the holy grail of, of Halloween candy. <laughs> like, like, Jess is eating all of them. And because um, she doesn't know better, 
That's what it comes down to. I mean, and she's just excited. She's like, oh my gosh, look at how big this Tootsie Roll is. Like, you eat that. Go ahead. Um, because <laughs> she has her eyes set on the wrong thing. She doesn't, hasn't hit the point where she has enough perspective to understand that, like, I don't know, candy corn is awful. Right? Like, she doesn't know it yet. <laughs> like, like, the only reason they sell it during Halloween is because it's been long enough that you've forgotten how bad it is. Like, <laughs> and, and so it's just the truth. Um, and, and so, um, uh, because she has no perspective, I could put the best stuff in the world down in front of her and she's going to pass over it in favor of stuff that's not really worth having, right? Is everybody kind of with me on this? Um, C.S. Lewis once said, um, that, um, the problem with believers, the problem with people in general is that we're often far too easily pleased in our lives, Right? He said, we're like children who are content to make mud pies in the middle of the street when we could instead go to the beach. But we don't want to go to the beach because we're happy making mud pies. Everybody with me? Like, believers often, we, we pick out stuff and we think, this is great. These Tootsie Rolls are the best candy ever. This, this thing I'm doing is exactly what I want. And we get fixated on it. And in reality, sometimes, God has something much better. But we want this. Um, and actually, this is a part of the human condition. It begins um, with Adam and Eve, right? What is it that Adam and Eve could have had? Well, they could have lived forever. That's kind of nice, right? They could have lived in Eden. They could literally paradise. They could have walked and talked with God daily. They could have had everything. No shame. They, nothing to hide. Complete intimacy with each other. Um, everything that would be worth having. And what did they trade it for? Well, just make me like God. That's what I want. But it doesn't make sense, right? They traded something terrific that would have never ended for something that was not worth having in the end. Um, they ate the fruit and they lost everything. Um, as we look at um, Philippians, like the theme of Philippians is we're working through it, and Paul kind of works this through the text, is, is this idea of joy, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... As we look at Paul's writing today, we're going to look at, at this idea of being easily pleased. And we're going to look at um, where it is that most of us get lost in this. Um, and I talk to a lot of folks. I talk to folks all the time who get lost in this. And we're going we're gonna to touch on that. Um, we do have to do a little review for those of you who, who forget quickly, like me, um, or those of you who maybe weren't here the last couple of weeks. Um, the book of Philippians is a letter uh, written by the Apostle Paul. Paul planted the church in Philippi. Right? And he planted it um, years before and um, converted a very diverse group of people. He was tortured while he was there. Um, and, and so it's a good guess that like this is a church that has unity as a result of like really working at it. right? Because you know, they're a very diverse bunch. And um, there's probably a lot of persecution going on because we know that Paul didn't get out of the city without some significant persecution. And so like, it's probably a rough place to live. Um, but, but it's a church that Paul planted, and it's a church that Paul felt especially close to. If you want to know more about that, listen to the first sermon, um, the sermon before the first one, which would have been the last one in the last series. Um, my wife keeps saying no, but they're not online yet. Um, <laughs> Paul's predicament. At this point in time, Paul is in prison, right? Paul is, is going to have his head removed here in a few years. Like, he's right at the end of his life. He's in prison. He's not going to get out of prison. Um, and he's chained to guards all day and all night because it's as close to maximum security as you get, 
right? And last week we looked at um, Paul's joy in this, like, like, well, we'll get to that in a second. But he's in maximum security prison. People are being persecuted. Bad stuff is happening. And Paul is talking about joy at the same time, which is crazy, right? I mean, who in their right mind sits in prison, um, you know, under fear of starving to death because they're not feeding you in prison. Food is coming from people you know who bring it. Um, like, like, this is not a good situation for him. And Paul's talking about how great his joy is and how blessed he is and how wonderful things are. And, you know, the normal person would stand back and say, what are you, nuts? <laughs> and to a degree, Paul was crazy. Paul was crazy, like, in love with Jesus. And that's sort of the foundation of all of this. Joy comes over and over again through Paul's, like, like infatuation, Paul's deep, abiding love for Christ. And... Um, so in the first sermon, we looked at the first chunk of this letter, which is the first, like, 11 verses of chapter 1, and Paul talks about praying for this church, right? I'm only reviewing this part because it fits in the sermon. I'm not trying to be wordy. Um, I don't have to try. Um, <laughs> in the second half um, of, of chapter 1, he talks about experiencing joy and trial. And he begins by saying, listen, you guys need to stand unified against these folks who are picking on you. Right? These folks who are persecuting you, you need to stand together and you need to be unified and you need to be unified in Christ and you need to do this as you're facing them. And you need to have joy. Where is that joy coming from? It's coming from Christ. It's coming from knowing that you are saved and you are bound for heaven and everything is set and everything you're experiencing now is temporary. And not only that, it's temporary, but it's also bringing glory to God. So when you're persecuted, it's bringing glory to God. And he says, that's joy. So we transition, and this is why all this background is here, because the first word in the, the next, you know, chapter 2 is, therefore. What does that mean? It means this section is based on the previous section. So we had to do some review, because otherwise this doesn't make sense. Um, it's got to be in context. Everybody with me? Anybody asleep yet? Okay. <laughs> therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and compassion. And we're going to hit pause. This is a terrible translation. Um, but it's if, then is the argument. Y'all are familiar with this sort of way of going about. And this is the way we would do it in English. It should be since instead of if. Right? Because Paul is talking about how, hey, I'm in prison, but it's all right because I'm bringing glory to God through my imprisonment. People are being saved through my imprisonment. Um, and he's saying, look, I'm getting comfort in this, and you can get comfort in your trials. And then he goes on and he says, if there is comfort. Well, he's already made the argument that there's comfort, right? And so it should be, since there is comfort, um, or since there is encouragement in Christ, um, since there is consolation of love, and since there is fellowship of the Spirit, and since there is any affection and compassion. Now this is, I picked this up. Sorry, my mouth is dry today. Um, this is kind of a rhetorical device. And there's always this want where we're like, wait a minute, encouragement in Christ, what's he talking about? If there's any consolation in love, what is he talking about? It's a very loose um, bit of passage, right? And it's very loose on purpose because Paul is like claws, 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 claws to drive home like the bigger point. Um, and so, like, these aren't supposed to be really succinct points. They're supposed to be, like, pushing the idea forward, right? It's supposed to be, like, if you were preaching, this would be the part where you start, like, building speed and, like, if, 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 you know, and to, to like, drive home the point. Everybody understand that? Um, 
So if there is any encouragement in Christ, well, what does that mean? Really briefly, because I don't think we can parse it down right. Like if we do it, we're doing disservice to what Paul is doing. But really quickly, what is encouragement in Christ? Well, Christ went through what I'm going through, right? I may experience difficulty, but that brings, like, God glory if I'm faithful to him. Um, If I'm faithful to him, the gospel is advanced. If I live my life in harmony with Christ, like, I know salvation is coming. Everybody with me? Like, like this salvation is coming no matter what. That's the encouragement he's talking about. This is an encouragement that can't be washed off. Why? Well, I'm going to hit pause here for a second. Everybody in this room, right? Some of you guys are good people. Like, I, I wish I could be as good as Brooke. Like, like, I wish I could be as godly and as awesome as Brooke is, right? Brooke, without Jesus, is going to go to hell. Is it right, Brooke? Am I telling anything wrong? Brooke commits sins, right? We all sin. Even the best amongst us sins. Um, Even the best people you'll ever know sin. Um, And that sin is an affront to God. Without um, forgiveness, without some way out from underneath it, we're all in trouble and we all earn punishment for it. And I say earn punishment because it's not arbitrary. Breaking God's law, like, like, like violating God's statutes, like rebelling against God, this is a big deal. Our encouragement comes in that God loves you enough and loves me enough to send his only son to die for us. He loves you so much that he would give up the most precious thing, um, his most love, love, you know, like his son, um, to be horribly treated and horribly tortured and, and, and like horribly abused um, in place of me and in place of you. And that's a source of encouragement. That no matter how far lost I get, I can still come back and be saved in Christ. Um, Have you all ever been in a spot where you thought, man, I've messed up so much I can't fix it, and there ain't no fixing it? Or my life is so broken, or I am so worthless, or I am so... God makes provision in Christ. And that is encouragement that should go beyond anything. So even if the building is burning down and your life is a train wreck and and you can't even come up with a reason to get up in the morning, at the end of the day, encouragement in Christ is, this is temporary. I'm just passing through this world. I'm bound for the promised land. Um, That having been said, if there is any consolation of love, what's he talking about? Well, I have consolation in the fact that God loves me. I have peace in the fact that God loves me. I have peace in the fact that Jesus died for me. I have peace in the fact that um, not a hair falls from my head without the will of the Father in heaven being a part of it. And so even if I experience difficulty, even if I'm persecuted, I have consolation. I can be consoled in Christ. Um, If there is any fellowship of the Spirit. Now, this is twofold. He's talking about close with God because the Holy Spirit is in us, right? Meaning the Holy Spirit brings us comfort. And the second half of that is all of us. Right? Look around you. Take a quick minute for this. I really mean it. Like, these folks are people that God has put here for you to be unified with in the Holy Spirit. And so when your life is a train wreck, these are the people who are supposed to be, like, like unified with you, and we're supposed to be um, in fellowship, and we're supposed to bring each other comfort. Right? So at 3 in the morning, you wake up, and, and you, you know, you're in a desperate time. Um, there are folks in this room who you can call. Is it true? It just is. And you'll notice that it wasn't a couple people. You heard people saying yes, and you saw people. I mean, people nodded because 
we're one in the body of Christ. And we find comfort in that because we have a unifying factor, the Holy Spirit and the death of Jesus for our sins. Um, moving along, any affection and compassion. This is an interesting one because he breaks away. There's no like, um, um, in the Greek, there's nothing assigning this to God. It's a more generic term in the Greek that she gets lost in translation, right? Um, affection and, and love, make sure I had the right word there, affection and compassion, um, is a reference to like Paul and them and them and their brothers and sisters in Christ and them and God. This is a very like broad statement. And so if we have this compassion and affection, like, like um, so that's the if half of the argument, and then make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Paul breaks out the same rhetorical device, okay, because Paul is like a very clever guy, and he studied argument, and he studied speech, and he studied all of that stuff, and he breaks out the same thing, but he comes out, and he doesn't say, do this, do that. He says, make my joy complete. Now we're going to flash back to the previous half of the letter. Paul is talking about his joy being in the fact that the gospel is advanced, that um, they're maturing in Christ, that the, the work he's done there has come out to good things. How can they make that joy complete for Paul? They can stand in unity, right? Have, quick raise your hand. Don't point fingers or anything. How many of y'all have ever been in a church with people you don't like? How many of y'all have ever been in a church that broke up in really nasty ways? I, Jess and I, the first church we worked for, and it was one of the best blessings we ever had. I didn't realize it at the time. We worked there for nine years. I worked there for nine years. Um, the church split four times. Um, there were four church fights while we were there. It was awful. <laughs> there were people that we like were very devoted and close to who said some of the most unbelievably nasty stuff to us, right? I remember sitting in an elders meeting at one of the like second to last church fight when these people who we used to eat lunch with on a regular basis and were really close friends with, husband gets up and tells my wife off because she's an elder. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is the opposite of what Paul is talking about. Everybody with me? So why doesn't that happen? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute, okay? This is the opposite of what the church is meant to be. This is the opposite of our source of comfort. Where's our comfort supposed to come from? No matter what, we're together, right? No matter what, I'm going to stand with you. No matter what, um, we're one. Why? Because we're one in the death of Christ. And we can't, you can't trivialize that. Right? Any Christian who trivializes it is revealing the fact that they're not really all that Christian, right? Because the death of Jesus is the centerpiece of everything that we're about. Um, and since that's our unifier, that's a driver. You can't get away from it, right? And that's what's supposed to. I lost my slideshow. Um, there it is. Um, and so he says, listen, um, make my joy complete. So, like, my advancement of the gospel joy is complete when you guys are of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the spirit, and intent on one purpose. What's that purpose? That purpose is advancing the gospel, right? That purpose is saving as many people as we can. Um, I told a story way back when, but probably half the room is going to remember it. We talked about the movie Titanic. Does anybody remember this? Raise your hands. I love knowing that people remember my illustrations. Um, at the end of the movie Titanic, I'm sorry, this is one of my favorite things I've ever said in front of a church um, <laughs> that wasn't about Jesus. <laughs> um, 
At the end of the movie Titanic, uh, you, some of y'all have seen it, there's a scene where the boat is sunk. The Titanic was a big boat that sank, for those of you who live under rocks and don't know these things. Um, and in the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is apparently on the Titanic, I don't know, um, and his girlfriend of a day are, are there, and they've got this door, and the door is sitting on the water, floating, because that's what doors do, apparently. And the girlfriend is on the, on the door, and he is in the water, and he freezes to death, right? Um, and I showed pictures where these people have sat down and figured out that they could both have pretty comfortably sat on the door. You know, like, where they recreated the door, and, like, they're sitting on this fake door playing cards. And, like, like they could have both lived, but they didn't because Rose let Jack drown, right? And it's because it's a terrible movie. I'm sorry. Um, in the church, we do this. We do. We sit on our door comfortable and saying, man, I'm glad I'm not out there dying, Right? I'm glad I'm not you. Our purpose, our purpose, I'm going to say it one more time to drive the point home. Our purpose as the church is to pull people out of the water, is to save people, is to share Jesus with folks so that Jesus will be even more glorified by the salvation that comes from his death, right? Um, this is the sort of thing we want to spread around um, because nobody wants to face God without Jesus. All right? Um, and so when Paul is saying this unified with one purpose, what is that? Bringing glory to God through the advancement of the gospel. Okay? And so for Paul, make my joy complete by standing together in Christ, living it out, sharing the gospel. Save people. Pull them out of the water. Don't be Rose. Sorry, Rose. I, <laughs> I didn't write the movie. It would have been better if I had written it. There would be more explosions. Um, and less Leonardo DiCaprio. Um <laughs> I, I always go back to that, too, because people laugh at it. Um, <laughs> Philippians 2, 3, or 4. Do, all right, so and here's where this shifts, okay? And this is where this is going to get really hard, okay? And, and understand it. If you, if you aren't wearing your steel toe boots, you're going you're gonna to know, okay? And, and if you're not noticing, like bang your head against the fuel a couple times and pay attention. Um, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Um, selfishness. Do we know what this means? Right? This is me stealing candy from my child, right? Like, <laughs> selfishness is, it's all about me, right? Not in the church that I was at, however. Um, I, I was friends with somebody who was at a church that had a blow-up on a Sunday morning during worship because the piano was moved from one side of the stage to the other, and they were pretty sure God wasn't okay with that. Is that a gospel thing, or is that a my preference and you're going to do what I want thing? I mean, I don't say it to judge them, right? I'm really not because it's a horrible, sad thing, right? Um, at the end of the day, if it's all about me, it's not all about Jesus, right? Um, so do nothing out of selfishness and empty conceit. This is an odd phrase um, that we lose a little bit in Greek, or from Greek to English, right? Um, empty conceit would be where I stand up and I praise myself. Everybody look at how great I am, right? And it's not necessarily the truth, Unlike when I praise myself, when it's always the truth. Um, <laughs> my wife, back there making faces at me. Um, empty conceit refers to this like um, this self-aggrandizing, right? And there are folks who do that. And especially, I'm saying this as a guy who's been involved in more church fights than I'd care to tell you about, and more silly conflicts than I'd care to tell you about, where folks will say, I am clearly the right one, and you are clearly wrong. 
and so I can do whatever I want now, right? I don't know y'all long enough to know if any of y'all have done that, so don't hear me saying this about you. I'm saying this from every church fight I've ever been involved with. I've seen none of them about heavy theology Jesus stuff. It's always about somebody's preference. Isn't it the truth? You hurt my feelings because you said, and that's why I'm right to do this. Okay, that's what Jesus wants. Um, And so what's he saying? Do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Um, I'm going to talk about this very carefully because I I, I don't want to say this wrong. Um, First off, the word humility in in the ancient world um, in, in Greek Hellenist society, humility was not a virtue. We like humble people, right? We look at, at stars who stand up and talk about how awesome they are, and they're kind of jerks. Everybody with me? Like, if you stand up and talk about yourself all the time, you're probably not, like, we don't look up to that. Humility in this world was, the, was not okay. You needed to talk about how great you were. If you were humble, it was generally a sign that you had nothing to talk about. Um, and so for Paul to say, be humble, this is very countercultural. This is very the opposite of what everybody would expect. Um, because the gospel brings us from one end of the world to the other. Because for most of us, we're standing where Adam stood. I want to be like God, right? I want to be like God. I want people to recognize how great I am, and I want them to take a few minutes to worship me. I want them to recognize how great I am, and I want them to mention it a whole lot. I want people to meet my needs no matter what, whether it's right or wrong. I want people to meet my needs um, because that's what, like, like that's what, that's what sin came out of, um, and that's what sin drives us for. It's all about me. It's all about me. What do I feel? What do I have? What do I get? Um, it's all about me. Um, and so he says, listen. Don't be that guy. Instead, do things, um, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Um, How tough is this? How many of y'all have had somebody say to you something that hurt your feelings in a really big way, whether they meant to or not, you just want to fight them? Not necessarily physically, right? Or I've heard this from church folks forever and ever, and I don't know y'all that well, but I didn't show up for about a month and nobody called me and it hurt my feelings. Wait a minute, you stopped coming to see if people would call you? Who's that about? By the way, I try to call people if I know you're not here because I do care about y'all. I'm just not good at it. Um, I'm acknowledging my lack of skill <laughs> um, because I really do care about y'all. And, and we actually do really care about y'all. And I frequently get phone calls from folks to say, you know what, I didn't see so-and-so. Can you touch base with them? I absolutely will, but you should too. Um, but... Um, these actions that say, you know what, it's all about me, that's, that's contrary to the gospel. The gospel says Jesus died for that person, and so that person is at the top of the list, and I am at the bottom of the list. There's a book, um, One Nation Under Therapy. I read it a few years ago. It's a great book. Um, and there's this interesting thing in there where they talk about like depression, like therapy for depression, and how the most effective thing you can do to deal with depression for folks is to get them to go out and serve other people. Because if you sit around and talk about yourself forever, a lot of times it just makes you more depressed. Why? Because if I'm my own God, my God is too small, right? If my God is God and I love the people God loves and I serve the people God loves, it tends to make you happier. Isn't that crazy? Um, 
Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Um, how many church fights would stop right there? Isn't it the truth? If I was far more concerned about you being close to Jesus than me, how many end right there? How much nastiness that occurs in the body of Christ? How much nastiness that occurs in families ends right there? Right? Because it's all about making sure that the gospel is advanced. I'm running long. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best. Um, Paul does something awesome here. Um, he shifts gears and he works in song lyrics. Okay. Um, I remember being in high school and writing love notes to my future wife, Jessica, is the only one I've ever loved. Um, <laughs> like you try to work in the, you know, I don't know, rock and roll lyrics and it always sounded terrible. Paul does it like great. And he does it, you know, great. And, and um, we're going to look at that. All right. Um, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Jesus Christ. This is Paul's line. Okay. And here he breaks into one of the earliest hymns that we have from the church. How do we know it's a hymn? Well, um, Paul changes his writing style at this point. It becomes lyrical. It becomes metered. It becomes measured. It takes on the quality of, a, of, a, of an ancient song. Um, and so, like, Paul breaks out, hey, you guys sing this, remember? And so he points to that. And what does he point to? Christ who, although he existed in the form of God, did not re regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. We're going to do this in bits. By the way, this is one of the most written about sections in the Bible. Like, every word in this song has been chopped up and sliced and argued about and debated, whether or not it's this kind of song or that kind of song, if it's a translation from another language... Pages and pages and pages and pages, and the theological implications of all of it, I'm not going to do all that today, okay? We're going to talk about what this means to the church, what Paul's point is. Um, although he existed in the form of God, meaning Jesus was God, right? Jesus was equal, on par, one with God. He was in the form of God. He was like like. He was God. Jesus was God. But he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. I have struggled with this for years because the English translation is not clean. Um, by grasped, what it's talking about is, it's talking about grabbing a hold of something for your own use. Everybody with me? Like if I want to grab grasp equality with God, that's when I'm looking for you guys to pump me up. Right? Get my head inflated for me. Make me feel good. Um, I'm going to use people for my own advantage and I'm going to use my authority for it. That would be what it means to use equality, like to grasp it. Jesus, who was God, didn't do that. Like, he had this authority, and he sets it aside. He doesn't use it to his advantage. Instead, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. Bondservant means slave. Somebody was awake a previous week. Um, we, they don't translate it that way. Why don't they translate it that way? Well, because the concept is different, and slave is a pretty strong word in the English language, but it's appropriate. Jesus literally took on the form of a slave. He put aside king of kings, creator of the universe, whole world like came out of his spoken word, um, and he became a slave. He became nothing. Um, he emptied himself 
um, put it all away, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Who's he obedient to? The Father, right? And so Jesus loves the Father so much that he submits to him in everything and gives up everything, and eventually even to death on a cross. Now, culturally, in the ancient world, crucifixion, if you were a Roman, you couldn't be crucified because it was pretty doggone terrible. Everybody with me? It was as bad as it got. It usually took weeks to die, and oftentimes they'd hang you low so animals could eat you while you were hanging there and still alive. All right? It was bad. Um, For Jews, Jews considered crucifixion a sign that God hated you. Okay? (laughs) And in fact, the word cross in many circles was considered to be a swear word. You wouldn't say it in polite company or in front of a church. Um, Like, for Jesus to do this, was scandalous to a degree that like, we don't get because there's nothing on par with this in our culture. This is as bad as it gets. So Jesus went from being creator of all things, through whom all things was created, beloved by the Father, the whole nine yards, to being lowest of the low, crucified. Because God told him to, because the Father told him to. He was obedient to that point. Why is Paul pointing to this? We're supposed to do this, right? We're supposed to be like Christ who had this attitude. Now, if I imitate Christ's attitude when, who is the least offensive person I know, when, I can't pick on Brooke Brooke again, though, when Renee says something and it hurts my feelings a little bit, do I keep it in my little record book of wrongs? No. Right? Why? Because I have to be concerned about Renee being close to Jesus. That's more important than anything else. I can't be offended because even if it does offend me, I have to have a conversation and I have to forgive. Right? Like, like, we can't pile up this garbage and hold on to it. We can't, can't make it all about us because it's not all about us. It's all about Jesus. The same way that for Jesus it was all about the Father. Um, and Jesus went to the cross for us. Um, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above all names. By the way, that phrase means Lord. It means like the highest way you can refer to someone. It means like literally an object of worship. Everybody with me? Um, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And phrase there, to the glory of God the Father, right? Because ultimately, all of our submission, all of our humility, all of our everything that we're doing is for God's glory, right? In the same way that... and. Does Jesus glorify himself in the end? No, the Father does it. Because our attitude is supposed to resemble this in everything that we do. So if you are in a spot where this is sticking in your craw and you know that this is a hard thing for you, um, first off, humility is something to pray for. Um, Service brings humility. Um, Reaching out and making other people's lives better instead of looking out for your own interests, like that breeds humility. Um, And it needs to be done with a heart that resembles Christ. Um, I'm going to call my folks forward for communion. I know we're running long. Um, A heart that resembles Christ who was willing to come to a place where he would would be tortured for you. The God whose, whose hands created the world. When we celebrate communion in the Church of God, 
um, we celebrate a communion of believers, meaning that if you are not a Church of God folk, you can take communion with us if you believe in Jesus and if he's your Lord. Um, and we do it to remember the humility and the sacrifice that he died for us 